Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. What an honor it is to be able to, you know, speak. I was, you know, you're talking about traveling. I'm not doing much traveling right now to get in my home. And I was telling my wife, Wendy, this morning that, yep, I get to speak um, to overflow in Indianapolis. But, you know, the amazing thing is I don't even need to go there. I mean, and obviously you're, you know, the technological battles today, you're, you know, you're, maybe you think it'd be easier to go there. But we're going to believe God's going to, you know, even in this time today, it's just he's doing things. He's he's going to do things. And and we love you and uh, Jessica and the team there. And, you know, just are just you're an important part of our Bethel family. And thank you so much for who you are. Thanks for um, your uh, obedience to God, your love for uh, Indianapolis, Indiana the Midwest region. You've had that in your heart for a long time. You know, it was so fun praying with you, you know, about the, the, the specifics of what God was calling you to do and where and the timing and, and just, yeah, thank you. And, you know, Jesse, I, I admire you for so many reasons. I mean, you're a, you're, you're a man of, of just great love for Jesus, great uh, obedient heart, a man who releases glory, a relentless person to pursue personal growth uh, and, and to keep growing. And you're a courageous guy. And you and Jessica are the dynamic duo. And so, yeah, just uh, bless you. And, you know, just um, today I was just thinking about just what to share, and and I know I'm I'm talking not only to the overflow, um, you know, family, but also there's people tuning in, you know, regionally, and then there's probably people from around the world who are are tuning in as well, and and I just was sensing that that there there's people on this time are are going to and are receiving an impartation that's going to be crucial for this next season. And, you know, my, my wife and I, we're not only on staff at Bethel Church, we have a ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries and written many books. And we have a website called ignitinghope.com and do a lot of different things. But our, our mandate, our, and, and we'll talk about this today, you know, our mandate is to ignite hope in people. There, there, there's no hopeless circumstances. There's just people who do not have hope. And once people get true hope, circumstances cannot stay the same. And hope is an unstoppable force. And something's going to change. Somebody's going to have hope. Somebody believes the future will be, will be better than the present, and they have the power to help make it happen. So we're here to ignite your hope. And I, I was thinking of uh, Isaiah 60. And I'm sure in, in this season, uh, many of you have camped in Isaiah 60. Uh, and Jesse, you mentioned that you shared some prophetic words related to Isaiah 60 as well. And, and, but it's, a, it, it's, it's always a now verse. Isaiah 60 and Isaiah 61 are always good chapters just to go back to. They really um, give us just, they, they, they challenge, they take us higher in our beliefs and help us understand our assignment. I believe this is a time 
or Isaiah 60. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And, and I want to talk today about arising and shining. And, you know, it says, arise, shine, for your light has come. Um, it, it says you've already got something. And it tells us the time that we're going to arise. You know, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness, the people. You know, it's, that's the, the time of arising and shining. You know, it would seem like, Lord, could you please make a more convenient time <laughs> to arise and shine? I'd rather arise and shine when, when there's not darkness. When I want to arise and shine when it's light. He says, no. And, you know, the thing of it is, is that there's grace to arise and shine right now. Uh, Romans 5.20 says, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. You know, whatever's happening in the negative, God's got a grace in the positive that supersedes that negative. And so I just want to tell you just today, um, three ways, three keys to arise and shine. Three keys. Uh, number one is get hope. I've already talked a little bit about that. I'm going to talk more. Number two is know you have something significant to arise and shine in. And, and number three is encourage others to arise and shine. So here it is. Number one, key to arise and shine is get hope. There's an interesting passage, you know, one of the, our, our favorite verses, you know, in the body of Christ is Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And it's interesting what, what season that or who Jeremiah is speaking that to. He's speaking that to people who have been taken captive out of Israel and have been taken to Babylon. And they're now slaves there. And, and God says, I, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And he says earlier, he says, um, he tells them, in verse four or five, it says, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters. In verse seven, it says, and seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace, you will have peace. And basically the Lord is saying, he's, he's saying to arise and shine in a difficult time in their life. Keep moving forward. He's got a, a future and a hope. And, you know, it's impossible. It's impossible to arise and shine unless we have hope. And I'll say it again. One, one, one of my favorite definitions of hope is that hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present. And I have the power to help make it so. Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present. I have the power to help make it so. And, and, you know, just what God's telling the Israelites who are captive, hey, have hope, move forward, pray for, pray for your city, do positive things, because there, as you move forward, you're going to create a peace, and you're going to actually partake of that. 
I, I love the story in Ezekiel 37 where God asks Ezekiel, you know, he shows him a valley of very dry bones. If you're able to just speak, just say very dry right now, very dry. He shows him a valley of very dry bones. And he asks Ezekiel a question. He says, hey, Ezekiel, and I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing a little here. Hey, Ezekiel, I've got a question for you. Do you think these bones can live? I'd like to know what you think about the situation. And, you know, Ezekiel, he gives the safest answer of all time. Oh, Lord God, you know. You know if they could live. And, but basically, the Lord says, he said, prophesy to the bones. Tell them they're going to live. And he did. And it started this chain reaction uh, that created an army out of the dry bones. And basically, the Lord was saying, Ezekiel, I need to know what you think, because what you think is going to determine what I can do. What you think is going to determine what I can do. Do you have hope for the bones? And it's very difficult to influence that which you do not, not have hope for. Let me say that again. It's very difficult to influence that which you do not have hope for. Like even a family member, if we don't have hope for the family member, my advice is to get back into the prayer closet and, and get hope. You say, well, how do I get hope? Well, Romans 15, 13 says this. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. It says, it basically says, now may the God of hope fill you in believing. So the moment we believe truth is the moment we get filled by the God of hope. In, in increasing hope is the evidence we're, renew, we're renewing our mind with truth instead of lies. Decreasing hope is the evidence we're renewing our mind with lies instead of truth. And I love it. You, you, you get filled by the God of hope, and it says that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You, you actually get the Tigger anointing. Tigger is one of my mentors. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, you know, because Tigger's abounding, and, you know, if you know Winnie the Pooh, you got Tigger. Then I used to have, you know, a little bit of Eeyore in me, and, and, and nobody wants to have Pastor Eeyore. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, amen. Yeah, hello, I'm Pastor Eeyore. Welcome to church again today. Thank you. It's good to see all two of you. Mom, it's good to have you back in church and good to have one visitor. And I'm in part 85 of my series, Why Things Are Just Gonna Get Worse. Yeah, why that? No, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to attach to somebody who, who, without hope. And, and I believe our hope level determines our influence level and who has the most hope is the most influence. So to arise and shine, it really, it means we're going to, we're going to go after hope. And I've shared this with overflow before this piece, but this is, this is the beginning point of arising and shining. And because I'll say it again, I believe our hope level determines our influence level. And so if we're, if we're lacking hope about ourselves, about the people in our life, about our future, about circumstances, the, the thing to do is not to try to pump up hope. Because I'm not into positive thinking. I'm into biblical optimism. I'm not into positive thinking. I'm into biblical optimism. Hebrews 10.23 says, 
let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And so when I'm lacking hope, I got to say, okay, what's the lie that's creating that lack of hope? I was battling for hope a while back, and I, in an area related to my family, and I was struggling and couldn't get on top. I just stayed underneath in a, in a discouraged state, and I go to Wendy, and I say, I can't, I need help. <laughs> you pray for me. And she asked me a, a question, and it's the power question for influencers. It's the power question for a rising and shining. She asked me a question, Steve, what do you need to believe to have hope in this area? What do you, and I said, wow, okay, that's a good question. Well, I need to believe my prayers are working. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a novel thought. Yeah, my prayers are actually working. You know, uh, he, God's working even when I don't see it. He's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Maybe somebody should write a song about that. I, I need to believe I've got a covenant with God that's so big that you and your household shall be saved. I need to believe that. I need to believe that anything that I need to do about the situation, I'll know what to do, and God's going to empower me to do it. Man, when I started thinking of those things, I started to arise and shine. I started to in, I started to get rid of those lies. And so, Jesse, that's number one there. You know, the key to arising and shining is getting hope. We can't arise and shine without hope. How are we doing? We, we're, we're good. Yeah. Sorry, I had to make a switch there. I'm, I'm still getting used to the, to the different methods here. Steve, this is a powerful message. Um, it's been amazing. Like th this message never, never gets old because, um, you know, like life takes you through different stages and phases and new challenges and stuff. And every time, like, you know, we might've got a breakthrough of hope in the past when we needed it then, but then new things come and, and you, it's like, you have to, you have to remember to recalibrate to, to truth when new things are presented. Um, I, I love what you're saying. Like, you know, the, the Valley of the dry bones, I've heard you speak on that often and speak into it, have it believing that things can change. And it's, it's real easy for people. And I, I include myself when we're in the middle of, of something that, um, feels challenging or oppressive or resistance or whatever, like, like it, it can be overwhelming at times. And I'm thinking like, even in this time, you know, people have new stresses, whether it be people uh, losing incomes. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one thing for us to say, we believe God's a provider when everything's going good. But when it's, when it's not like, that's where the that's where the testing of the faith can come in. Um, what would you say, like when people are feeling the, the pressures at a whole nother level on their lives, um, whether it be, you know, people, you know, people working from home, having the kids at home and it's intense and it's hard to focus and it, it can be easy for, for stresses to, to rise that are not normally there. How do we, how do we anchor? How do we rise out of that thing? You know, when when you're feeling it all over you, in the moment. 
Well, first of all, I think it's important to give yourself some grace. You know, it, it's, it's like, um, you know, perfectionism and the religious mindset and, you know, all of that. If we, if we find ourselves not doing what we think we should be doing or we find our attitudes are not what we want them to be. And, um, yeah, I think just giving ourselves some grace, celebrating progress, not perfection, because it's almost like you're a sports team going up and playing in a higher division. You're playing against better competition. You, we're, the, the pressures that are on us right now are, are going to expose some things in our lives that, you know, you know, maybe, you know, the fear wants to get on us. And, uh, and I, what helps me, you know, I think it's just, uh, I think we, we need to increase the flow of truth and hope getting in our lives. This is the time where, as we're able to be listening to podcasts and, you know, worship music to increase all of the input to help us as we're building the muscle to, so to speak, compete at this higher level of pressure that's, that's within our lives. And one truth that helps me is just my hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. And so once I keep going back to, okay, what I actually believe is ultimately, you know, may, the most important thing right now, and I got to find a way to feed into uh, believing truth, believing God's promises. My future is as bright as the promises of God. And just, yeah, just if, if we're struggling to get people to pray for, humble ourselves, just say, hey, I need help, help me. And God's great. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Really good. Yeah, thank you so much. Let me jump into number two. Yes. All right. So keys to arise and shine is, is to know you have something significant to arise and shine in. And it, first Peter 4.10 says we we've all been given a gift. Second Timothy 1.6 says stir up the gift that is within you. And I remember years ago, I felt like the Lord said, Steve, I want you to rise up and be a father in this movement. And I said, Lord, I don't feel ready to rise up and be a father in this movement. He said, rise up anyway. <laughs> rise up anyway. Take your spot. You know, and God, God is always, God's answer is always a person. You know, we, you know, we say, God, do something. We need you to say his, his answer is always a person. And his answer is usually uh, uh, he get, by giving an assignment to a person who doesn't think they're qualified to do what he thinks they're qualified to do. God's in a habit uh, of doing that. He believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. And, and so learning how to arise. And, and, you know, I think about there's a fascinating story in 2 Kings 4 where you got the widow she was a wife of one of the sons of the prophets. He dies. She's in debt now. The creditors come, say, we're taking your sons as slaves to pay off your debt. She talks to Elisha, and Elisha asked her a question. You know, I, I love these questions. You know, can these bones live? Now, here's another great question. He asked, what do you have in your house? Or we could just say, what do you have? Now, that, that's a question Holy Spirit's asking us all this morning. What do you have? And, and the woman, she says this. 
She says, I have nothing. And then she keeps up, except a little oil. Now, when we're under the prophetic, when they're under the influence of the prophetic, and that's why I love churches like Overflow, because you value the prophetic. You, you speak, you know, it's hard to move in your church without someone giving you a word. And, you know, someone telling you what you have, who you are, what you got. You know, I mean, that's the nature of the, but the, 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 one of the natures of the prophetic is to take our eyes off of what we think we don't have and put our eyes on what we do have. Let me say that again. The, 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 one of the purposes of the prophetic is to take our eyes off of what we think we don't have to what we do have. And, you know, the story goes on. She says, I got a little oil. Well, that oil multiplies, pays off debt. Elisha says, live off the rest. But I, I want to focus on this. The accuser of the brethren, the devil wants us to constantly focus on what we don't have. Yeah, you don't have enough, you know, you don't have enough money. You don't have enough good looks. Steve, you don't have enough hair. <laughs> you know, you just, you know, your, your, your family's not what it should be. Your past isn't what it should be. You don't, leaders don't honor you as much as you think they should, you know, he, whatever, you know, we want to focus on what we don't have. But as long as we're focused on that, we can't see what we do. have. I remember, you know, I used to focus so much on doors that weren't open for my life. Man, I wish that door was open. Then I, I can't wait for that door to get open. I can't wait till I can live in my prophetic destiny, you know, can't wait for people to see what's really on my life. And I remember I used to focus so much on doors that weren't open that I couldn't even see the doors that were. I couldn't even see that what, what, was, what God was doing because I wanted something else to happen. It was like in that season, I said, Lord, I can't wait until I do something great for you. He said, Steve, instead of waiting to do something great, why don't you do what you're doing right now with great faith. Why don't you do what you're doing right now? Where do you have favor? Where, where is something? Do that with great faith. And by the way, I'm hearing right now that there's people who are watching where the Lord is actually right now is, is rearranging what you're actually looking at. He's rearranging instead of you looking at what you wish you had or what you what doors you wish were open or, <clears throat> or looking at regrets. He's actually, the prophetic influence is causing you to look what you do have. And, and we, all, we all already have. The woman already had the, the answer to breakthrough. And we all have the answer. And, and the thing of it is, is that God, there's a, there's a grace that as we walk in it to see it, in John 4.35, Jesus says, do you not say four months and then the harvest? But I say to you, look up and see the fields are white for harvest. There's something happening right now as you look up and see for you to partner with that I'm doing. Something in your life to partner with. Something in your family to partner with. Something in your ministry, your, your city, your, your region. And so I just say thank you, Father, that, that as we rise up, we're willing to take the risk uh, of greatness coming out of us. And 
yeah, I used to be afraid of success. I used to be afraid of being great, uh, you know, because I thought, man, I was at a fear of pride. And but pride isn't pride is not thinking you're great. Pride is thinking you're greater than other people. We all need to arrive. We all have something great in us. And, and whether our greatness is known publicly or not, it, that doesn't matter. You know, it, 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 there, there's something in us. I need you to arise and shine. I used to kind of celebrate the one talent guy in, in Matthew 25. You got one was given five, one was given two, and one was given one. I live my life unconsciously with the one, with, with passivity, with fatalism. If God wants something to happen in my life, he'll make it happen. And, and I, I didn't do anything to try to increase what I was doing. And the Lord says, I need you, Steve, to arise and shine. I need you. But Lord, what if I become prideful? He says, Steve, I've got great ways to deal with pride. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't worry. If you become too proud, I've got some little, I got a few tricks up my sleeve to help you stay humble. And so I say this, every person watching right now has something great in them. You, there's nobody can say it like you. You can reach a certain type of person that, that other people can't reach. Nobody's got your gift mix. Nobody has your uh, history. And you know, when you move, when you bring Romans 8.28 into it, and all things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose, we realize that everything in our past is coming together for an influence of arising and shining. So that's number two, Jesse, that we know we have something significant to arise and shine in. This is powerful. I, I love it. I, I, I've heard you talk about, um, you know, give God something to work with, even, you know, the boy with the loaves and the fish, and he gave it to Jesus and did something with it. Now you're bringing in the widow, man. What a, that's a whole nother angle on the same thing. Um, that she had just a little to offer and but Elijah saw that there could be greatness come out of that um, I've heard you often talk about uh, Gideon who he didn't think much about himself but but the you know the angel came and declared to him who God saw him to be and I think the question I want to ask you um, how does a person it's one thing to be able to you know we get prophetic words we hear awesome destiny and God's got greatness. How, what would you say like is one key to, to transitioning from um, believe, you know, believe in the excitement of that thing and actually stepping into growth towards that? Yeah, it's so fun getting prophetic words and we love it. And, you know, Jesse, you know, you and I, we've prophesied over each other a lot and, and we need to, you know, the, the person I need to, by the way, prophesy over the most is me. I wrote a book called You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. I need to tell me, you know, let the weak say I am strong. I need to prophesy strength over me and over everybody. But what I would say, because I mean, the specifics of the prophetic word is different. You know, what, what it might say, you know, the specifics to Gideon was a you're a mighty man of valor you're gonna you're gonna save a nation the specifics to abraham was 
hey, your descendants are going to be as numerous as a star in sand. Whatever the specifics are, they're different. But the general gist of every prophetic word is this. You are important. God's got a good future for you. It's bigger than you know. It actually jolts us out of survivalism. It jolts us out of, okay, man, I, uh, out of lies. And it causes us to arise and shine. And I think, you know, how do, how do we steward it? Well, you know, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18, he said, Timothy, war a good warfare according to the prophetic words, your prophecies. It says in Ephesians 6.17, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take up the words that God has made real to you and fight with them. Man, you know, I, I, I've had to, at times in my life, Jesse, I've had to just have it out with me, have it out with the devil, shouting. Yeah, uh, because in the old covenant, the, the giants that were standing in front of people's promised lands were literal, you know, giants. In the new covenant, the giants standing in front of our promised lands are mindsets, pessimism victim mindsets, unworthiness, you know, fear, disappointment, discouragement. Those are, those are our giants. And, you know, what do we do? Man, I'll tell you, there's times we just got to get mad. I mean, there's times I've just, I've just had it out. I've gotten the car and I've said, no, you know, God's word says this. I'm not taking this, just, just low grade discouragement and, and just, fight. It's called a sword because we're supposed to kill something with it. <laughs> and so, you know, that's one thing. I mean, there's times, yes, there's times where we rest and there's times we just trust, but there has to be, in my opinion, an aggressiveness. Be angry and sin not. We're not if we don't get angry at the right things, we get angry at the wrong people. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, <laughs> that was a bomb right there. Say that one more time, Steve. If we don't get angry at the right things, we get angry at the wrong people. Oh my gosh. And I gotta get, man, I, I, I declared war on my mind 25 years ago and there's been no ceasefire. Man, that's. <laughs> but what I'm, yeah. thinking, what I'm thinking is a bigger problem than anything going on in my finances. What I'm thinking is a bigger problem anything going on in my nation. I mean, and, and, and so it, it, it's, we are not victims, we are victors. This is a time right now where the, you know, you just, you just scroll, just flip your Facebook feed down just, just a little bit and you'll see all the animosity and, you know, opposition against different sides of things and stuff. And it feels like that's really heated up right now a bit. Uh, but what you're saying is like, Man, we're, we're, we're often looking at the wrong enemy with these things. Well, we are. And I love what Nehemiah said. And in Nehemiah 6, he's rebuilding the walls. His enemy do one last effort to try to stop him from building. And they say, hey, meet with us in the Valley of Ono. You know, I mean, that should tell us something right there. But I love what Nehemiah said. He said, why should I, why should I come down to you for I am doing a great work? He said, I don't have time. I don't have time to, hey, you know, argue with people on Facebook. I don't, I don't have time to talk to the enemy, you know, fear, uh, you know, just sitting there because I'm doing a great work. I've arised. 
I'm shining, I'm doing something. And, you know, I'll tell you this, that's why, you know, right now we got to say, okay, what is it? There's something to arise and shine in. What is God calling me to do? You know, and once I'm able to identify that and put faith to it, I'm not going to have time to go into the Valley of Ono. That's, that's good stuff, Steve. I, you're, you're saying things that you could just go into a whole series on. And, oh. uh, and that would be awesome to dive right in. Uh. Well, you know, oh. it, it is, you know what, what I love, though, is, is because I'm talking to people. I know people who are watching this are people of revelation. And so these are like, you know, truths or insights. And people who are watching are, are going to mine some of these things out. Whatever stands out to you the most in this session, go back to it. And just ask Holy Spirit about that. And he's going to show you some things that are going to be incredible. And you're going to cause other people to arise and shine. Amen. So good, Steve. All right, let me just finish this up. This last one um, is how to arise and shine. Three keys to arise and shine. Get hope. Two, know you have something to arise and shine with. And then lastly, encourage others to arise and shine. Encourage others to arise and shine. I heard a great definition, Jesse, of discouragement the other day. Um, it was from T.D. Jakes. And, you know, one of my goals, as you probably know, is I, I want to be the white T.D. Jakes. <laughs> uh, that's, one, that's one of my goals. You know, I'm, I'm, work, I'm, I'm working on that. You know, I, gotta, I don't know if I got to get the hanky out or what, what I got to do. But I heard him say this. He said, discouragement is when your courage is run out before the battle's over. Discouragement is when your courage is run out before the battle's over. So, you know, and discouragement, we're all, we're all you know, battling some level of discouragement. You know, you, you, I'm sure you, you know, might have battled a little discouragement over some technological things earlier. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, oh, man, you know, we want things to go well. And, you know, it's just, and I know how, you know, we talked about that, how hard you worked on that, you know, to make it happen. And, yeah, you know, and, and then what do you do? And, and we got two choices. We can just stay discouraged or we can get over it. You know, eventually we know we got to get over it. And, and so, but it's how do we, you know, rise and shine? we encourage others to arise and shine. There's a fascinating verse in uh, Isaiah 35, verses four to seven. It says, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, fear not. <laughs> hey, hey, fearful hearted, be strong, fear not. You know? and, and, it says, and it says, your God will come. He will come and save you. And then it says in verse five, then the eyes of the blind will be opened. Then the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Encouragement brings the supernatural. And, and, and one of the greatest callings we have in the church is to encourage. It says in Hebrews 10.25, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. And, you know, it says this, it says, 
that as we see the day approaching, that we're to increase encouragement. I don't care what we believe the day approaching is, the rapture, end time revival, end time judgment, our death, whatever we think the day is, it's approaching. And one of the main reasons we come together is to encourage one another. And, and that's, there's no such thing as a strong, silent type Christian. We, we, we come together, you know, whether it's on a Facebook Live or, you know, whatever manner we're coming together, we come together for many reasons, to worship, to be part of the body, functioning as part of a local body, which is God's plan for our, our life, uh, to get equipped through teaching. But one of the things we do is we in, encourage. And I remember uh, I, I didn't grow up as a Christian, and I, became, I, I found Jesus at 19. And before that, I had very little encouragement. I could probably count on one hand how many people actually said they see something in me. Steve, there's something you can arise and shine in. Man, I was, I was insecure. Uh, I, 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 I thought I was less than. I, I was believing the lie. There's something uniquely wrong with me. And I had a, when I was a senior in high school, I had a, a government teacher. Her name was Mrs. Riffenberg. And she said, she took me aside just for a couple minutes. And she said, Steve, I see that you would be good in politics and government. And I mean, that blew me away. That blew me. I, I, I thought somebody sees something good in me. Somebody, I mean, there's some, I, I didn't know about the language arising and shining, but, you know, but there's something I can arise and shine in. There's something I can do. Maybe I am significant. Maybe I am important. And, and because of that, I majored in political science the next year in college, all because of one person considered me. One person encouraged me. One person said, hey, you got something. You, you got, you, you've got something good in you. And I've really made it my goal to, um, I want to always be the biggest encourager in, in my environment. Encouragement puts courage in people. You know, Jesse, for you and Jessica, man, I want to be your, I want to be your biggest encourager. I want to be your corner man. You know, you know, life is like being in a boxing match, man. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting and, and we're out there in the ring. You guys are out there in the ring. You're leading. You've said yes to Jesus. You got, I mean, you got people there, you know, I know what it's like. You got, you're trying to do it one way. People think you should do it another way. You're doing, you know, whatever you got, you got it all go. You get uppercuts, you know, wow. Okay. You know, uh, you, you try to do something, you know, technologically that doesn't work and you get boom, you get in more ex expecting that uppercut. You stagger back to your corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. We're trying to put some spiritual smelling salts, you know, you can do it. You got this slap you around, pour water on you because I'm, I'm, I want to be people's corner man. I want to say, you got what it takes. You can do this, man. I want to say, Jesse and Jessica, you can do this overflow church. You can do this. You're called, yeah, you, there, there, there's discouraging things, but, but join the club. Everybody fights discourage, discouragement. Everybody fights disappointment, everybody, you know? And, and so when we determine, and you know, the, one, of the, one of the reasons I like to encourage people because every time I encourage others, I get encouraged. <laughs> I've had times in my life where, you know, 
I've, I've been very discouraged. And the Lord says, Steve, go encourage somebody. I say, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. And he says, tough, do it anyway. You know, and so I send a little, I send a, a text, you know, to somebody or send an email or, you know, uh, I'll, I'll see somebody I'm walking by, I'll give them a word, you know, just, and what's so powerful every time I do that, I get encouraged. It says in Luke 638, give and it will be given to you. I, what I've done during the coronavirus season, I have increased my encouragement. I'm doing more Facebook lives now than I've ever done. I'm just getting out there. I'm trying. And part of it's selfish <laughs> because stuff wants to get on me. You know, stuff, you know, the, the spirit wants to get on. And, but when I encourage, something powerful happens. And, you know, I used to not want to encourage people who, uh, I, who I felt had issues or still had areas to grow in. I didn't want to encourage them because I was afraid they might think they were okay. <laughs> so I withheld my encouragement from them. I didn't think this through, but really what was happening, I withheld my encouragement from them as a punishment. So they'd get, then they'd, they'd change. And then after they'd change, whether it's family members, somebody in church, leadership over me, uh, other people, I would, until they changed, then I would encourage them. And we were, we pastored in Nevada for many years. There's a gold mine where we pastored. They moved hundreds of tons of dirt a day, but nobody, nobody ever talked about dirt. They only talked about gold. And people won't mind you moving their dirt as long as they know you're looking for gold in them. We're not called to identify. We're not called to be dirt removers. We're not called to uh, use our, our discernment to find out what's wrong with people. I wrote a book called The Culture of Empowerment, and it's really, it's a book about empowering leaders are empowering people. They see people according to their potential, not according to their past. They see more what's right with people than what's wrong with people, whether it's in their family, whether it's elsewhere. And I'm not saying, you know, just because you believe in people, they have equal opportunity under you or equal access to you. But there's something when you actually say, you know, Father, I am, I'm going to be an encourager. People say, Steve, how can I move forward in prophetic ministry? I tell them this. Become the biggest encourager you know and ask the Holy Spirit to take over their encourage, your encouragement. Become the biggest encourager you know and ask Holy Spirit to take over your encouragement. And so that's, that's so powerful. And so today, we're, we've just talked about arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And, and we do that first by getting hope. Because it's hard to arise and shine without hope. Matter of fact, it's impossible. Secondly, we know that we have something significant to arise and shine with. And we start to identify those things. And then and arise in that. And then thirdly, we encourage others to arise and shine. So I bless, I bless your people, Jesse. I bless Overflow Church. And I do want to tell you guys again, you're on assignment from God. I'm doing a, a message today at Bethel Valparaiso 
as well online. And I just thought about this today. Well, I thought about this all week. Man, there's something about Indiana. There's something about the people in Indiana. You're a significant state right now. The believers in Cincinnati are significant. And I believe there's grace on you to arise and shine as a people, influence America like never before. You're a revival state. I see fires of revival in different cities in Indiana that's going to come together, that's going to sweep over the United States of America.